lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. We are actually holding in the middle of chapter 5, page 93. He's discussing the tremendous advantage of studying Torah. Why a Jew gets so excited about studying Torah. That studying Torah gives us the opportunity to unite and become intimate with God. Because when a person uses, when you use your mind and you study something, um, and it really challenges, the material challenges your mind, and you really delve deep into it to really absorb it, digest it, internalize it, um, then you are lost in thought, you are lost, your mind is wrapped and lost in thought in the subject matter. And ultimately, after you finally absorb the material and you truly understand it in depth and with clarity, your mind absorbs the material. And so much so that it becomes part of you. You internalize it. Once you understand something, you could never, you could never get rid of it. It becomes part of you. Once you understand 2 plus 2 is 4, you'll never understand otherwise. You know, it becomes part of you. And... Um, and the subject matter, what is the subject matter? What are we studying? What are we learning? We are learning Torah is God's mind. Torah is the divine wisdom. So Torah gives a Jew the opportunity to wrap your mind around God's mind, to absorb God, so to speak. It gives us, a finite, limited human being, the opportunity to grasp that which is ingraspable, to grasp the infinite, to grasp something God himself, which is because God and his mind and his will and his wisdom are all one. And therefore, when a Jew studies, even a Jew studies a subject that's not relevant, it's not applicable, most of the Torah that we learn, we don't only learn the Torah that's relevant to us, it's applicable to us. It's going to guide us and teach us how to behave, how to act. Um, a Jew who studies Torah seriously, most of his studies actually deal with things that are totally irrelevant to his personal practical life you know a Jew has no plan to become a judge or a lawyer will spend hours and hours and days and weeks and months trying to master the laws of of um, the biblical laws that pertain to uh, financial matters or arguments and disputes from landlord and tenant and tenant and all financial discussions partnership and none of these laws are relevant to, to your to his personal life and yet a Jew will study this part of the Torah with with the same zeal and zest that he studies those parts of the Torah that are relevant and applicable to him. Because the primary purpose of studying Torah is not just to know what to do. An ignoramus, if you're ignorant, you simply don't know. So to master the law, a person really has to study, and study a lot, study hard. But there's a far primary purpose of studying Torah, and that is that through studying Torah, a Jew becomes intimate with God. We become one with God's mind. We're able to, to get into God's mind. We're able to see reality from God's point. And it, when we study Torah, the, the portion that we study is really the same portion that God studies, like God's mind, like God is thinking and God is studying. And therefore, we find in the Torah many cases that are so far-fetched and so abstract and so irrelevant and so inapplicable cases that will never happen never have happened never will happen 
But it's not the point. God is thinking for himself. It was the Torah is not just um, in order to create the world. The Torah precedes the world. Uh, Talmudic rabbis say that the Torah precedes the world 2,000 years. Of course, there was no time, there was no space before creation. But it means that the Torah, the essence of the Torah is not about giving us guidance and instructions how to lead our lives. The essence of the Torah is, it's God's mind. The way God thinks to himself. And, if God, and how God entertains himself, how God thinks to himself. And if God's mind is occupied in figuring out if, if this one says this and this one says that. In other words, the, when we study Torah, we are studying, it's like God is studying Torah for himself. And we are studying that Torah. But the Torah descends into our realm, into our world. That's why the Torah is compared to water. Because water, unlike a sun, the sun is in heaven and the sun gives off light, illumination. We can't touch the sun. We can see the light of the sun, the warmth, the heat. But the sun remains in heaven. The sun doesn't come into this world. It gives off its light. Even when a teacher teaches a student, in a certain sense, the teacher is giving off a ray. It's not the teacher's mind that actually, um, that actually reaches the student. Because the student cannot understand or appreciate the level of the teacher, the way the teacher thinks for himself. The teacher has to concentrate himself and can only give off a ray of his intellect to be able to explain it on a level that the student could grasp. So again, the teacher remains in one place and the ideas, the concept that he's parting, is not, it's not the same thing. But water, when water descends from an high, like a waterfall, when the water falls down and finds the lowest spot, as the nature of water is, it's the very same water. The very same water that was on the perch, on the peak, on the high, that very same water finds its way into the lowest spot. That's why the Torah is compared to water. Because the very same Torah, the way God is studying Torah for Himself, the way God is learning Torah for Himself, that very same Torah descends into our realm, into our world. So when the Talmud discusses cases of landlord and tenant and arguments and partners, and one partner is lying and one is telling the truth, Yes, we're dealing with physical entities, and we're dealing with, with financial, and we're dealing with our realm and our world. But the core, the essence remains divine. We're dealing here with God's wisdom. God decides that in this case, this one is right and this one is wrong, and this is the, this is the correct argument. And many times it's counterintuitive, but this is, this is the divine. Even when it's logical, it's really, ultimately it's really divine. So we have the ability to study and to absorb God's mind. The way God thinks. And that's the ultimate act of intimacy. The Torah uses the word for intimacy that Adam knew Chava. Using the word in Hebrew, Yada, which is knowledge. Because when you're really intimate with someone, you really get to know how they think. You really get to know them. It's not just superficial. You really go into their head. You want to know how they think. You want to know how they look at things. And that's how you become intimate with them. And so a Jew has the opportunity. God gave us the opportunity, the gift of Torahs, that God gave us the opportunity. He shared with us. He revealed to us how he thinks. How God thinks for himself. Independent of a world, without the world, if the world doesn't exist. Just how God thinks for himself. How God entertains himself. How God thinks for himself. What occupies God's mind? That's the Torah. The Torah is what, what occupies God's mind. 
and the entirety of the Torah, whether it's a Torah that deals with agriculture, or the Torah that deals with the laws of, 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 of holiness, or the Torah that deals with the laws of Shabbat, or the Torah that deals with financial matters, any and all aspects of the Torah, this is what occupies and engages God's mind. And it was brought into a level, God gave it to us in a level that we can relate to. We cannot relate to the infinite and we can't relate the way God is thinking for himself. But that very same Torah, that very same essence, God has brought down his mind into the world, our world, our realm of, of real estate, of Wall Street, of money, of finances, of argument, of discussion. But it's the very same core, the very same essence. It's God's mind. It's the way God thinks. So when you engage your mind in Torah, and it fully engages your mind, and you stretch your mind, and you have to strain your mind, and you really have to exercise your mind, and really delve deeply and exert yourself until you're lost in thought because you're trying to master the concept of the Torah, the logic of the Torah. And then you succeed until you ultimately master the concept in, in thoroughly and you understand it in great detail and, and you're, able, you have, you're able to crystallize it. Then your mind has wrapped itself around the mind of God and you have absorbed and internalized it. God's mind. So the finite being, that's where we left off. There's no greater unity, there's no greater intimacy where the finite being has become one with the infinite. Although, in general, you may ask, this is true of any concept, any, when you're studying math, or science, or physics, or figuring out a business concept, it's the same process. Your mind is lost in thought, is absorbed by the concept, and after, once the mind understands the concept, the mind absorbs the concept. But nevertheless, you only understand the concept. Let's say an astronomer who gets the concept, the science of astronomy, the interaction of the planets and the, and the stars and the galaxies, he understands the concept. You don't become one with the star, you don't become one with the, with the, with the sun, you become one with the concept of the star. But with Torah, you actually become one with the mind of God. Because when you understand that piece of Torah, whether it's a five-year-old child who to the best of his ability understands, on a five-year-old level, understands a simple verse in the Torah with Rashi, understands a simple meaning, question, answer, meaning, and he stretched his mind and he strained his mind and his mind absorbed whatever portion of Torah he studied. That five-year-old child has become one with the essence of God. And when the Talmudic genius, 99-year-old rabbi, when he strains his mind and he stretches his mind and he is lost in thought and he's trying to master a new concept in the Torah, when he succeeds in mastering that concept, he also becomes one, his mind becomes one with the essence of God. And this is a gift that was given to the Jewish people. That's why it says a non-Jew is not allowed to study Torah. The portion of Torah that's relevant for them, the seven Noahide laws, they're obligated to learn. But the essence of a Jew studying Torah is all about becoming intimate with God. And God married the Jewish people. The non-Jew is God's best friend. But intimacy is reserved for the Jew. And that's why the, the theme and the essence of studying Torah, which is really all about being intimate with God, that's only relevant and applicable to the Jewish people. So when a Jew studies Torah, any Jew, 
he becomes one with the mind of God, the finite merges with the infinite. It's the only opportunity you have in the universe where the finite merges with the infinite, becomes one with the infinite. Because you have the ability to absorb. God gave us the ability to absorb and it becomes inseparable with you. It becomes part of you. It's inside of you. It's irremovable. It becomes etched into your being. Especially if you etch the Torah into your mind. If you memorize the Torah. And it becomes etched into your mind. Which is why we stand up before a genuine Torah scholar. Because he has the Torah etched in his mind. Even when he's not studying Torah. He's just walking by. So he has internalized and become one with the infinite. He has God inside of him. And this is the tremendous gift and opportunity of, of the Torah. And that's where we left off last week. The second um, paragraph from page 93. And based on this introduction, he's going to explain, now we can understand... The, now we can understand the uniqueness of the mitzvah of studying Torah. How that exceeds and surpasses, and that's the equivalent of all, all other mitzvot. Uh, the second paragraph on page 93. This is the distinctive, infinitely great and wonderful superiority of the mitzvah of knowing and comprehending Torah. Over all the mitzvot involving action, and even over those performed through speech, indeed, even over the mitzvah of oral Torah study. The precept of Torah study may be performed by reciting passages of Scripture, even if one is ignorant of their meaning. Such study, however, lacks the infinitely superior quality of comprehending Torah, okay. namely, for through all the mitzvah performed in action and speech, He's saying, although you fulfill a mitzvah, you fulfill the mitzvah of studying Torah just by reading the written Torah. When it comes to the oral Torah, you do not fulfill the mitzvah of studying Torah unless you understand. Just to read, to open up a Talmudic page, or just to open the Zohar, and just to read, you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah. You're not allowed to make a blessing for studying Torah because you're not fulfilling the mitzvah of studying Torah. It's only when you understand the material you fulfill the mitzvah of studying Torah. However, when it comes to the written Torah, even if you don't understand, you fulfill the mitzvah just by reading the Torah, the five books of Moses. Just reading it, you fulfill the mitzvah. Which explains why every Jew is called up to the Torah makes a blessing over the Torah. Even a Jew who has no comprehension of what he's about to read, nevertheless, he fulfills the mitzvah just by listening, just by reading the Torah, even if you don't understand so he's saying, although you do fulfill the mitzvah studying Torah, that's not what he means. That's not what he's referring to. He's referring to the mitzvah studying Torah of comprehending the Torah. When the Torah engages your mind, when it fully engages your mind, to the best of your ability. And that's very subjective. But when the Torah engages your mind, and it occupies your mind, obviously someone who's very intelligent and gets things very quickly, he just <clears throat> studies very superficially, that's not called study. If a Jew wants to become intimate with God, the way to become intimate with God is only when it fully engages your mind, when it challenges your mind, when you have to stretch, you have to exert yourself, and you're lost in thought, and you're trying to master the concept. 
and the concept is beyond you. And it takes tremendous effort until you finally crystallize, until you finally master. And then and only then could you say that your mind has absorbed the concept. That it has become part of you. You get it. It clicks. I understand it. In specifically in great detail, thoroughly. I can articulate it. I can explain it to myself and to others. Then and only then could we say that a Jew, that your mind has absorbed God that you have become intimate with God. Versus if you're just mouthing the words and just reading the Torah, yes, you have a mitzvah. Like any other mitzvah. But that's not when we say that the mitzvah studying Torah is the equivalent of all the other mitzvahs. We mean studying Torah. Comprehending Torah. Engaging your mind to the best of your ability. Then that studying of Torah has a uniqueness and has a, is superior to all of the mitzvot, including the mitzvah of just reading the Torah, just verbally mouthing the words of the Torah. Why? What's the advantage? For through all the mitzvot, For through all the mitzvot performed in action and speech, God clothes the soul and envelops it with his light from head to foot, his example from its highest level to its lowest. While in the case of the knowledge of Torah, apart from the intellect's being clothed in, divine wisdom, the divine wisdom is also within him, so that he envelops it. Through his intellect, through his intellect's comprehending, grasping and encompassing whatever Torah knowledge it is capable of grasping and comprehending. Each man according to his... Okay, so he's saying every mitzvah that we do, spiritually speaking, provides for us clothes. It benefits us. When you put on clothes, the clothes benefits you. It warms you. It benefits you. But the clothes is something external to you. It hasn't become part of you. You know, clothes is something you express yourself with clothes. It reflects who you are, but clothes ultimately is external to the person. You can remove them, you can... Put them on, you can take them off. It doesn't become part of it. It's a very good question. Because the mitzvot actually come from a very high place, come from a very deep place, a very profound place. So we cannot internalize it. So the mitzvah, so every mitzvah benefits us. The mitzvah envelops us. The mitzvah like wraps itself around us. The mitzvah is like God's sense of touch, that God is hugging us and embracing us. But it's it's external to the person. It's not internal, it's external. So it's clothes that shield us, that protect us, envelop us with a, with a sense of holiness. So every mitzvah envelops the Jew with a divine garment. And it's only with these garments that a Jew is able, after 120 years, that a Jew is able to go to the next life and he's able to receive the godly revelations in heaven because he has the tools the vehicles he has the tools to absorb them to receive them these clothes he's well 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 dressed he's well protected so every every day we do a mitzvah that's why a day should not go by without a Jew doing a mitzvah if you do seven mitzvahs in the week don't do them all in one day make sure to do one mitzvah a day so that every day should be covered so every day you have a mitzvah and not a day should go by you don't do a mitzvah and we need all the 630 mitzvahs. We need all the clothes that we, that we, can, that, that we can get. We need all these um, divine uh, clothes that, that are wrapped around the soul. And, you know, a Jew carries 
an atmosphere around them. There's an atmosphere around the Jew. And if your life is immersed in mitzvot and good deeds, you create an, an atmosphere of, of a Garden of Eden, as we find by Isaac. Says, when Jacob walked into the room, he felt the scent. He was blind, but he, scented, he felt the scent of the Garden of Eden. Because since Yaakov's life and his entire day was filled with mitzvot, so that left an impression in his atmosphere. Everyone carries a certain, a certain, a certain atmosphere. Those who are spiritually sensitive are able to detect it, that there's a positive atmosphere. Even we can detect psychologically. There are certain people that have positive atmosphere around them. It's just positive. And you're attracted to it. It's wholesome. <laughs> And there are certain people that have very negative attitudes and very negative environments and energy, and you just, you just, you just stay away. So and that's just a reflection of what happens, what, what happens spiritually. That whatever we do leaves an impression around us. So if a Jew does many mitzvot, it gives you the garments. It gives you the divine garments that envelop you and, and wrap you. It's like a good wrap. And if... God forbid we do something wrong, it creates, it wraps us with a negative, a negative energy. So mitzvot are beneficial for us and, and do something tremendous for us. But it's, ultimately it's just a wrap. It envelops us. It's clothes. It's external. We can't absorb it. It's a deed. It's action. It's speech. It's something that we do. It's not internal. The Torah, however, he says, in addition to the fact that your intellect is closed itself in the divine wisdom that you lost, just like when your, your body is covered up by clothes. So too, when you're lost in thought, your mind is lost in thought. Your mind is lost in thought. I can't find your mind. Where are you? My mind is totally occupied and engaged in thought. I'm trying to figure this out. And it's totally engaged me. There's no part of my mind that's not engaged. And therefore, where's your mind? Your mind is enclosed, so to speak. In the divine, in the divine wisdom. It's covered up by the divine wisdom. So it's totally enclosed and wrapped around and enveloped by the divine wisdom. So the mind, when you study Torah, you also have the advantage of doing a mitzvah. Because your, your mind is lost in thought, your mind is enveloped and wrapped by the divine wisdom. Because when you're first trying to understand an idea, you don't just understand it in a moment. It takes a lot of effort. You think about it. You take it apart. You try to understand every detail. So until you master it, you sense that the idea is greater than you. You haven't yet mastered the idea. So your mind is lost in thought in the idea. So your mind is totally covered up and submerged in the idea. So the idea wraps itself around your mind. Your mind is wrapped and enveloped like clothes that wrap and envelop the mind. So just like every other organ of the body, when you do a mitzvah, is wrapped and enveloped by the mitzvah and is enclosed by the mitzvah. So the mind is also enclosed by the mitzvah. So in that sense, when you study Torah, you share the same advantage that you have with all other mitzvah, with all other 613 mitzvah. But in addition, you have a unique advantage that only exists by studying Torah that you don't have with any other mitzvah, which is that in addition to being wrapped and enveloped by the Torah, by the idea, the divine idea of the Torah, divine mind, you also, the divine mind is wrapped in your mind. Because once you absorb the concept, once you master the concept, the idea is 
inside your mind. You've digested it. You've wrapped yourself around the idea and you've become one and inseparable with the idea. You've internalized the idea. That's unique to studying with Torah. That you can truly digest and become one and inseparable with the concept. That only exists with the Torah. That's why the Talmud says that the Torah shields a person far more effectively than mitzvot. Because mitzvot is an external shield. But you can take off your clothes. But Torah, once you've internalized it, it's inseparable. Once you get it and you understand the concept, it has become part of you. It becomes inseparable. So, the, so the, the effect of Torah is much deeper, much more intimate than the effect of mitzvah. Okay. Continue. Each man, according to his intellect and his capacity for knowledge and understanding in our days, the four modes of Torah interpretation, Shat, Remez, Rush, and Sad. Thus, apart from the effect that Torah shares with other mitzvot, Namely, that a mitzvah when performed envelops the soul in divine light. Torah study has the additional effect of filling the soul internally with the light of divine wisdom contained in the Torah that the soul grasps and encompasses. Since through the knowledge of Torah, the Torah is absorbed in the soul and intellect of the person and is encompassed within them, it is therefore called the bread and food of the soul. Just as physical bread nourishes the body when it is ingested and absorbed within it, and when it is transformed there into blood and flesh of one's own flesh, and only then will the body live and be sustained. Okay, so everything in the physical world is just a metaphor for its spiritual counterparts. So the fact that in order to live, a person needs, we need food, we need clothes. But what's the effect of food on a person? food becomes part of you, becomes your blood. Once you've eaten the food, you've digested the food, it's part of you. You can't separate from it. It has become part of your blood. And that gives you life. That sustains you. The person doesn't eat, the body-soul connection grows weak. You eat, it nourishes you, it sustains you, and it gives you the vitality, and your body-soul connection is strong. So food is something that you di- digest. Food is something that's in- that you internalize, that becomes part of you. Clothes, are, you can't live just with food. A person needs clothes. Shelters you, protects you, keeps you warm. But clothes is external. Its impact on you is more external. Versus food, which is internal. So the Torah, so too, spiritually, a Jew needs food and you need clothes. Food represents the Torah. That's why... A day cannot go by. Just like if a day goes by, you fast for, for a day. You grow weak. So if a day goes by and a Jew doesn't study Torah, doesn't get his vitamin T, Torah, you, uh, your body-soul connection grows weak. Your faith, your divine connection, it grows weak. You don't feel it on a conscious level. And so Torah is something that constantly nourishes. It nourishes the soul. It, it's divine. It has a divine impact on you. Just like when you eat food, it gives you all the nutrition you need. It gives you all the vitamins that you need. So when the Jew studies Torah, it, it nourishes your soul. It gives you all the nutrition that your soul needs. And it keeps the body-soul connection healthy. That you're, you're, you sense the divine, sense the godly. Otherwise, if a day goes by without studying Torah, two days go by without studying Torah, 
you start growing weaker. Your spiritual sensitivity start growing weaker. Your godly sensitivity start growing weaker. So this is what sustains us. The studying of Torah sustains us, and it becomes, it becomes, it nourishes us. Why? Because that's the nature of studying Torah. You internalize it with your mind by digesting. So it's only effective when you digest it, when you study it, when you learn it, when it engages your mind. When it engages your mind and you study and learn it, then, only then do you digest it, and only then do you internalize it, and only then does it give you the nourishment that you need to sustain you. Okay. Similarly, Similarly, through the knowledge and comprehension of Torah by the soul of a person who studies it well, with the concentration of his intellect to the point where the Torah is grasped by him, Sorry, by his mind, and is joined with him so that they become one. The Torah thereby becomes food for the soul. It becomes inner life for it from the fountainhead of life, the blessed and soul, who is clothed in his wisdom and Torah that are in the soul of the Torah. So when you do a mitzvah, the divine light wraps around you and envelops you. But when you study Torah, the divine light goes inside of you. You've internalized it, and it becomes inseparable with you. That's what nourishes you. That's what sustains you. That gives you. That gives you life. That gives you vitality. It's an inner life. The same effect that food has on us. That it gives us uh, energy. Energy boost. You can't say the same about clothes. Clothes are very beneficial, but it doesn't do anything for you inside. So when a Jew can have many mitzvahs, but if a Jew can do all the mitzvahs in the world, and you're enveloped by light, and you're holy, and you're wrapped, wrapped with holiness, but it doesn't give you, nothing can give you what Torah gives you. Torah gives you that energy boost. That divine, godly light becomes part of you. That infinite light becomes part of you. So it gives you that, that tremendous surge of, of energy, of divine energy. And that you can only accomplish through Torah. There's no other way. This is the meaning of the verse, your Torah is in my inner parts, meaning that the Torah is food for the soul. It is similarly written in Etzchayim, portal 44, chapter 3, that mitzvot are the garments of the souls in paradise. In paradise, souls enjoy the radiance of the divine presence in order that the soul, a finite being, be capable of bearing the infinite radiance, it must be shielded by spiritual garments. The mitzvot it performed during its life on earth provide the soul with these garments. For as explained above, performing mitzvot envelops the soul in divine light as a garment envelops the body. Just like you can't look directly on the sun, you need, you know, you need sunglasses to shield you. So too, the soul, after 120 years in heaven, cannot look directly at the divine radiance. You need clothes to enable you to be able to, to, to receive and to look at God's radiance. So the, so the garments protect us and prepare us for the world to come. All the mitzvah that we do in this world are a shield and protect us and enable us to receive the divine light in the world to come and the, um, to enjoy, derive pleasure from the radiance, the divine presence. Okay, Torah. Torah, on the other hand, is the food of the soul from paradise, which had engaged in Torah study for its own sake during their life on this earth. It is similarly written in the Zohar by Yechel, page 210. Okay, so the question is, he seems to be saying that it's not enough to study Torah in order to be able to receive the food, so to speak, the spiritual equivalent of food in heaven. But one must also study Torah lishma. Lishma means for its own sake. 
without any egotistical motivation. But it would seem that the Torah, it's not because you study Torah lishma for its own sake that the Torah becomes food and sustenance. But it's because the very nature of studying Torah is that you digest the idea. By digesting the idea, your mind becomes, you digest the infinite. You become one with the infinite, inseparable with the infinite. That's the reason why the Torah that you study in this world, in this lifetime, should sustain you in the next lifetime. And that becomes the food that sustains you in the afterlife in heaven. Why does the Zohar say, add the element of Lashma when the Torah is studied for its own sake? So when we learn, very superficially, this concept of lashma, which is a very, a very central concept in Judaism, that a Jew has to study Torah lashma. Lashma means, in a literal sense, there's no ulterior motive. I'm not studying for self-aggrandizement. I'm not studying to make a name for myself. I'm not studying to prove how brilliant I am. I'm just studying Torah for its own sake. I'm not even studying Torah in order to know how to act, how to behave. I'm just studying Torah for its own sake. But here the Alter Rebbe adds a new meaning to the concept of Lashma, and he gives a very interesting explanation to the whole concept of Torah Lashma. And he continues. The meaning of Torah study for its own sake is study with the intent of binding one's soul to Hashem by comprehending the Torah each man, according to the capacity of his intellect, as explained in Priyat's times. Okay, so he says, when, he, when the Zohar says that when a soul studies Torah for its own sake, then in heaven the soul receives sustenance from the Torah that he studied in this world. That is the source of the sustenance. Lishma is not just a detail, an added element. You can study Torah and you can study Torah. He says Lishma means... I study Torah for its own sake. I'm studying Torah with the idea of becoming one with God. Knowing that the only way to become one with God is through knowing the Torah and understanding the Torah. So I am studying Torah in order to digest the Torah because I know that the Torah is divine, the Torah is infinite, and by digesting the Torah, I'm really digesting the divine, I'm really digesting God's infinite light. And God's infinite light becomes an inseparable part of, of me and um, there's a beautiful story with the third Lubavitcher Rebbe one of his chassidim he was called the Lublina Rabbi one of the greatest uh, prodigies of Eastern Europe whenever he would come visit the Rebbe he would always bring some novelty in the Torah some new interpretation that he worked on for a good few months to show to, you know, to, and he would share it with the Rebbe. And one year he came and this was, this was going to be a beautiful piece. The Rebbe is going to love this piece. This was a masterpiece. He worked hard on this piece. It was a real novelty. It helped explain and clear up many passages in the Talmud, complex passages in the Talmud. He was very, he was very excited about sharing it with the Rebbe. So he goes into the Rebbe. The Rebbe says, no. What do you bring? What news do you bring? And he starts sharing the idea the Rebbe, Tzamech Tzedek, looks at him and says, the grandchild of the Alter Rebbe, Tzamech Tzedek says, you know, it's a nice idea, but the problem is the whole underlying assumption of your concept goes contrary to a Mishnah. A passage of Mishnah in the Talmud. He was stunned. 
He knew the entire Talmud word for word, backwards and forwards. A Mishnah? He says, Rebbe, I can't think of a Mishnah. Tell me which order it is. So I believe he says it was in the order of Kachim, the six orders of Mishnahs. Agriculture and the and, 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 uh, laws of holidays and, and uh, financial and uh, holiness. He says in the, in the, in the, in the portion of um, in the order of holies. He says, Rebbe, which tractate? Couldn't think of it. So the Rebbe told him which tractate. I forgot which tractate it was. Which Mishnah? I give up. I, I, I don't. And the Rebbe starts reading the Mishnah and interpreting. And he says, oh. He realized that his whole assumption, his whole castle that he built up just came crashing down. It was like the way the Rebbe interpreted the Mishnah it was clear that his whole thing had no basis. And when he left the room, he says he f- realized for the first time what the meaning of Torah Lishma means. That when a Jew studies Torah, a Jew like the Rebbe, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, who studies Torah, and his motivation for studying Torah was Lishma for its own sake. So when a Jew studies Torah in order to become one with the mind of God, in order to, to become intimate with God, to know how God thinks, to wrap your mind around God's mind, and to be able to start thinking like God thinks, to see reality, to see the world the way God sees reality. Then what happens is that your mind becomes a Torah mind. Your mind becomes, your mind starts thinking like God's mind. That's why the rabbis were so holy, the rabbis, the Talmudic rabbis. Because they became, they were so one with the Torah. Their mind became one with the mind of God. That so much so, that, that they couldn't even think otherwise. Their whole mind, thoughts, they became a Torah mind. Their being became Torah. Their whole mind became a Torah mind. So when they heard a concept that sounds wonderful, the Rebbe immediately detected and says, no, this is wrong. This can't be. This, this is not the Torah way of thinking. Because their mind became one with it, with, with the Torah. There's a group of college kids who once came to the Rebbe. And they asked him, is it true that Goyen of Vilna was knowledgeable in all of the sciences? He was a master in all of the sciences. He said, how is it possible, just because he was a master of the Talmud, that automatically made him a master of chemistry and biology and math and every single subject under the sun? And of course, we know from the Rebbe himself. The Rebbe was able to converse with physicists, with every discipline in science. The Rebbe was able to to converse with that person and to speak with them in their own language. Subjects that didn't even exist when the Rebbe was in university in the early, in, in the 30s. Disciplines, and the Rebbe was able to speak with each and every one. So the students basically asked him, how is it possible that just because you mastered the Torah, by mastering the Torah, you're able to master every single area in life, from biology and every single discipline, scientific discipline? And the Rebbe answers, yes. Because when you study Torah, you know how God thinks. So God created the flower. God created the animal. God created the world. Every aspect of the world. So if you know how God thinks, and you, become, you master the entire Torah, you understand how God created the flower. You understand how God approaches everything in existence. So yes, 
by studying the Torah, knowing the Torah, you become a master of the entire universe. Because your mind becomes the mind of God. Your mind becomes a Torah mind. Because when a person spends every waking moment and, and to the maximum of his ability, giving it 100% of his time and his effort and his energy, stretching, constantly stretching the mind and constantly pushing the envelope and, and, and exerting themselves and challenging themselves and being engaged by the Torah and absorbing one concept in the Torah after another concept in the Torah, mastering one area in the Torah after another area in the Torah after another area in the Torah. Then your mind becomes truly one with the mind of God. And your, your mind becomes a Torah. So when a Jew does mitzvot, yes, you become a godly person, you become a good person. But you don't, your being doesn't become godly. When you study Torah, your mind, your being, your internal being becomes godly. That's unique to Torah. Only Torah could, could, could give a Jew that, that benefit. That your whole being, your whole essence becomes God. Okay, but the question remains. Yes, the Torah has a unique advantage over mitzvot. Because the Torah is, a ter- is internal, while the mitzvot are external. Where God wraps himself around you, the infinite light, God's divine light, wraps itself around you and envelops you with his infinite light. While versus when you study Torah, God's infinite light becomes part of you, inseparable with you, like food that's digested and has become part of your bloodstream, has become part of you, inseparable from you. Okay, so Torah is unique, but so too are mitzvot. Mitzvot have an advantage. Don't forget, clothes are also necessary, not just food. A person needs clothes. Clothes shelter you from cold. You can't live without clothes. So... Yes, Torah is unique, but so too are mitzvot unique. What's unique about Torah? What makes Torah superior to all the other mitzvot that the rabbis say? It says in the Mishnah, the Talmud Torah, Kenegit Kulam, that studying Torah is the parallel, the equivalent of all the mitzvot put together. Why? Mitzvot have an advantage. Mitzvot give you clothes. And the fact that the divine light that comes with mitzvot, the fact that that divine light, we cannot internalize it, it's actually because the divine light associated with mitzvot comes from a very high root, a very high source. Because it's so infinite and it's so high and so beyond us, it's impossible for us to, to internalize it. So our only connection to that divine light is externally. It wraps itself around us, it envelops us, it hugs us, but we cannot internalize it because we are finite. And we're dealing here with a light that's so infinite, that's so transcendent, that it's impossible so it remains above us. It remains around surrounding. So the fact that the mitzvot are clothed and not food is actually comes from a tremendous superiority of mitzvot. That mitzvot come from a, such a high place that they cannot become food. You cannot internalize it. They must remain clothed above us, around us, wrapped around us, envelop us, but they cannot, we cannot internalize it. So it seems, would appear, that mitzvot have a unique advantage over Torah. Torah has a unique advantage over mitzvot. Mitzvot have a unique advantage over Torah. Just like food has an advantage over clothes, and clothes has an advantage over food. You can't wrap yourself around with food. You need something to protect you. You need clothes. You can't internalize clothes. You need food. Each one of them has a tremendous advantage. Food gives you vitality. It gives you energy. It strengthens your body-soul connection. It gives you blood. It gives you... And clothes protects you and wraps you and envelops you. So too, it seems that the mitzvot have an advantage and the Torah has an advantage. So we still haven't explained 
why do we say that the Torah is the equivalent of all the mitzvot and superior to all the mitzvot? So that's what Alter Rebbe is going to explain now. That the Torah does have the same advantage of mitzvot. The Torah has the same advantage of mitzvot. It is an element of Torah that's like clothes. When a Jew studies Torah, the divine light wraps itself around you and envelops you. So any advantage you have from mitzvot, you also have from Torah. But in addition, Torah also gives you the added advantage that in addition to having the advantage of clothes, that the divine light wraps itself around you and envelops you. In addition to that, you also have the advantage of food, that the divine light becomes absorbed and internalized and integrated and one with you, inseparable with you. The food of the soul, page 96. The food of the soul refers to the level of indwelling light. The garments refer to the level of encompassing light. For this reason, our sages have said that Torah study is equal to all the other mitzvot combined. For mitzvot are garments alone, while Torah is food and also and also a garment, the intellectual soul. Torah serves as a garment because one clothes himself, one clothes himself within it by his soul's concentration on it and study of it. Okay, as we learned earlier, that when the nature of intellect, when you're trying to understand the grasp, an idea, a concept, the first stage is that you are lost in thought. So the concept wraps itself around you, wraps itself around, its, around your mind. It takes a grip of your mind, engages your mind, and it covers up your mind. Your mind is totally lost and, and enveloped within the concept because you haven't mastered it yet. You sense, you're trying to figure out an idea, any concept, you're trying to figure out an idea, and you feel that you haven't yet grasped it. You haven't yet, it's not crystal clear yet. It's vague, it's fuzzy, it's nebulous, it's, it's above your head. It's still above your head. It's beyond you. You haven't yet, it's not your own. You can't call it your own. It's beyond you. And then, and only then, once you make the concept your own, once you digest it, and it becomes part of your bloodstream, when you can call it your own, when it becomes crystal clear in your mind. That's what we find in the, the first psalm. King David says that the fortunate is the person who studies the Torah of Hashem. And then he says, and in his own Torah, he calls it, refers to the Torah of God. And then he says, and in his own Torah, he engages, engages his mind all, all day. So why this, the discrepancy? In the beginning, he refers to it as a Torah of God. And then he refers to it as his Torah. And the answer is, when, a Jew, when you're first starting to learn, it's God's Torah. Because it's, it's above your head. The material is above your head. So you feel like it's way over your head. You haven't made it your own. You don't own it. Once you study it and you master it, then it becomes your own Torah. Once you've internalized it and you make it your own, you truly get it and grasp it and you crystallize it for yourself, then it's mine. Then it becomes your concept. Then it's yours. And that's why the law states that a, a rabbi is allowed to forgive in his honor. A king cannot forgive in his honor because you're honoring his position. But a rabbi, even though you're honoring the Torah, a rabbi is allowed to forgive in his honor. Why? Because the Torah belongs to him. He has internalized the Torah. He has mastered the Torah. It's his Torah. He owns it. He can do with it as he pleases. If he wants to forgive in his honor, he can forgive in his honor. And that's why we find, the Rebbe explains, we find 
It says in Ethics of Our Fathers, in this week's Ethics of Our Fathers, chapter 6, it says that a person should always quote a teaching. You should quote who taught you the teaching. Quote the original source and the teacher. And if someone quotes the original teaching, he brings redemption to the world. Because he shows that the Torah is a tradition that's been passed on from generation to generation. It's not something that originated today. Rabbi so-and-so said he heard it from his rabbi. He heard it all the way back to Moshe, to Moses, or all the way from God. So it's important for a person to quote. Yet the Rebbe asked, we find that many times, many times that the rabbis would quote. And many times the rabbis would say it in their own name, without even quoting the source. Were they in violation of this, of this passage in Ethics of Our Fathers? teaching us that a person should always quote his source and the Rebbe differentiated he explained because it depends before you master the subject then I'm quoting it's a nice teaching it's an interesting teaching but it's not my teaching I'm listening it's interesting it's over my head it's not me but then when you reach a point that you own the subject it becomes you you've mastered the subject then there's no need to quote. What am I I'm quoting? It's my subject. It's my, it's my concept. I get it. I understand it. I'm not quoting something that someone else says. It's something that I understand. I own it. And that's the level of studying Torah. A Jew has to study Torah to the extent until he feels that he owns the subject matter. It's his or hers. He understands it. He gets it fully. The best of his ability. So when... Initially, when a Jew is studying Torah, the concept, his mind is wrapped, the concept wraps itself around his mind. He's lost in thought. So he has the advantage of the divine light, the infinite light surrounding his mind. Just like when you do any mitzvah. The infinite light, the divine light surrounds your body, surrounds the organ with which you're doing the mitzvah. So too, when you're studying Torah, since your mind is lost in thought and is enveloped and wrapped around by the divine Torah, before you truly understand it and grasp it, so your mind is wrapped and enveloped with holiness, with the divine mind, with the divine concept, with Torah. So you have that advantage that you have with, with all other mitzvot. That your mind is enveloped and wrapped by the divine light. But in addition, once you own the Torah, once you digest it, fully digest it, and you make it your own, and it becomes like food, after it's digested, it becomes inseparable from your body, from your being, then you have the additional advantage, in addition to having the same advantage that you have with all mitzvot, that your, your soul becomes, your mind becomes wrapped around with the infinite light, you also have the additional advantage that, that the, you wrap the your mind around the infinite light. That the infinite light becomes digested and internalized within you. And you become one and inseparable with God. You internalize the infinite light. And that becomes, that gives you tremendous energy and that sustains you. Imagine having God inside of you. That gives you a tremendous vitality, a tremendous energy boost. And that, that sustains you in a very deep internal way. But he takes it a step further. He says, because that's not enough. Because the mere fact that when you're trying to master an idea, a concept, in the initial stages your mind is wrapped by the concept, finds itself swallowed up by the concept, enclosed by the concept, swallowed up by the concept. So you're like swallowed up by godliness. When you study Torah, you're swallowed up by godliness. You're surrounded, wrapped, and enveloped by godliness. But nevertheless... 
it's all connected with the mind. In other words, you're dealing with a concept that could be grasped, but you haven't grasped it yet. You sense, like when you study something, you sense it's still vague. I don't understand it fully. I haven't crystallized it yet. But you do have some sense of the concept. So it's, it's not... It's, it surrounds you, but it's something that's, that's close to you. When you talk about something wrapping you and enveloping you, there are two, two different levels of wrapping and enveloping. Take clothes, for example. Clothes, you wrap yourself, you wrap yourself up in clothes. Or a home, a house. When you wrap yourself up in clothes, although it's around you and external to you, but the clothes fit you. They fit you perfectly. So it matches you. However, when you're wrapped and enveloped within a home, when you walk into a home and you're wrapped and enveloped by the roof and by the ceiling and by the walls, it's not customized to you. Small person, a great person, they're all wrapped and enveloped equally. So in a sense, it comes from a much, much deeper place. The wrapping and enveloping comes from a much deeper place. In other words, wrapping and, envelop and, and enveloping that's customized to you, that fits you, so that's something that's close to you. So although, yes, it wraps you and envelops you, but nevertheless, it's, it fits you perfectly. But when a Jew does a mitzvah, it's like God wraps you and envelops you. You're like within God's home. When your home becomes like a temple for God. So that holiness surrounds you totally. And that means that it's, it comes from an infinite level. It comes from such a transcendent level that it cannot even be customized to the person. It's like totally transcendent. It comes from a totally transcendent level that it just wraps you and envelops you in holiness, in a holy atmosphere. So that appears to be something that only exists with a mitzvah. When you do a mitzvah, you have that transcendent level of holiness that surrounds you, that creates not just a set of clothes, but in a sense it creates like a home, an environment, an atmosphere. That, that goes with you which doesn't exist in, in, in Torah because although Torah also when you study Torah your mind is wrapped and enveloped by the divine light because you haven't yet grasped the concept and your mind is, is, is lost in the concept but nevertheless it's like clothes it's near to you. You, you, you you can sense the concept you haven't fully grasped it yet but you can sense it, it's close I, you know, I can't put my finger in it I, I, can't, I don't understand it yet I'm trying to work it out and to figure it out but, but I, can, I can sense it, I can feel it it's vague, it's fuzzy so you're dealing here with something that's not totally transcendent you're dealing here with something that it's transcendent, it transcends your mind your mind doesn't grasp it yet your mind is lost in thought trying to understand it and is really wrapped and enveloped by the concept. But nevertheless, it, it's a tight fit. The wrapping and the enveloping fits the mind. The mind can sense it. It's right above me. It's like, it's like when, you, when you almost have it. I can almost explain it. I, I just don't have yet the right words or the, to articulate it. So you can sense it vaguely and fuzzy. So it's a tight fit. So obviously the divine light that that bestows in your mind is not the totally transcendent divine light. It's a divine light that's a tight fit, like clothes. But when you do a mitzvah, however, you draw down a divine light that's totally transcendent. Like a house that surrounds you, that's totally transcendent, that doesn't even fit you, it's beyond you. 
So you would think that mitzvot have a superiority and advantage over Torah. So how can the, the, the Talmudic, how can the Mishnah say, and we say it every morning in the prayer, as an introduction to the prayer, that the studying of Torah is the equivalent of all the mitzvot put together? Why? Mitzvot have a superior advantage to studying of Torah. Because when you do a mitzvah, you draw down the transcendent divine light that's so infinite that can't even be a close fit. It can't even be like clothes. It totally transcends you like a house that totally envelops you and surrounds you and you swallow it up in the house and you're, and you're protected by the house. So it seems that mitzvot have a superior advantage to Torah. So the Rabbi says no. And that's the last piece that he says here. How much more so? Uh, how much more oh, so? How much more so if one expresses the words of Torah orally, for the breath of speech becomes a kind of encompassing light, as written in Troy at We thus see that Torah study possesses the qualities of both food and garment. It is thus superior superior to other mitzvot, which are garments alone. Okay. Key ingredient of studying Torah is not just, although it's intellectual pursuit, as we study, the whole idea is studying Torah, comprehending Torah, engaging your mind, taxing your mind, straining your mind. But nevertheless, a key component of studying Torah is verbalizing the Torah. To fulfill the mitzvah properly, you have to verbally verbalize the Torah. You have to read the Torah. Even when you're delving deeply, you should read the Talmud that you're learning and read the Torah that you learn. Why is that a key component? What does speaking, speech have to do with comprehension? Because through speech, speech gives us the advantage that we have with all of the other mitzvot. Because when a person speaks, and speech is the breath of your mouth, so speech envelops you. It creates that clothes that wraps itself around you and envelops you. And therefore, when a Jew studies Torah and verbalizes the Torah, the divine light also envelops you and wraps you. So you have that same transcendent infinite light that you have, you draw down by doing all of the 613 minutes, but like a home that wraps you and envelops you, that advantage you have when you study Torah. So when a Jew studies Torah and he verbalizes the studying of the Torah, you have the advantage of being enveloped and drawing down the infinite light. Equally so with all the other mitzvot. In addition, you also have like a set of clothes. You have the divine light wrapping itself, a tight fit, wrapping itself around your mind. Because you're lost in thought and you're, you're lost in the concept and, and you're under the grip of the concept, you're trying to understand it. And uh, so your mind is wrapped and enveloped within the infinite light. And then, when you internalize and you digest the Torah, and it becomes inseparable with you, it becomes one with you, then you have also internalized the infinite. You become one with the infinite, inseparable with the infinite, and has become part of it. And that's why even a Jew who studies Torah for all the wrong reasons, let's say a Jew is egotistically motivated to study Torah, as we discussed, you have waters, Torahs compared to water. But we also have the Dead Sea. It's a salty. <laughs> no living life can grow there. A person who studies Torah for all the wrong reasons, egotistically motivated, arrogant. Every Torah that he studies only makes him more impossible and more arrogant. So it's like, it's not living water. Instead of the Torah being living water, the Torah becomes a poison for him. 
Torah, which is life-sustaining, it's infinite, it's divine, for this person the Torah becomes poison. Because it has, it has the wrong effect on him, the exact opposite effect. Instead of the Torah refining you, like Moses, every, person, every bit of Torah that he taught it made him the most humble person that lived, made him a better person. Instead of the Torah refining you, the Torah sometimes has a counter, becomes counterproductive, God forbid. It makes you more arrogant, it makes you this ivory tower intellectual, it makes you, separates you from, from, from people. And instead of refining you, it coarsens you. Yet nevertheless, when that Jew studies Torah, no one could take away from the fact that that Jew has absorbed the infinite, the divine. And ultimately, the divine core, the divine essence that that Jew has absorbed will ultimately reach him. One point in his life, it's like a depth charge. That, that will ignite his soul. And that will awaken him from his, you know, from being mired in the mud and the, you know, in his arrogance and his ego. So even that Jew, by studying Torah, because no one can take that away from you. When you study Torah, it, God has become an inseparable part of you. Of course, you also have to be careful because we can take God to places that God doesn't want to be. It's like taking, to use a very crude analogy, it's like taking the king while he's wearing, he's wearing his crown and putting him on, on, on a headlock and dipping him, dipping him in the toilet. Because you're taking God, you've studied his Torah, so you become one with God you have absorbed and digested God's infinite light, infinite self. And when you do something wrong with it, and you take it to the wrong places, like, God is helpless. You're schlepping me to all the wrong places, and I'm going, I'm along with, for the ride, but I can't help it. I'm with you. Whether I like it or not, I have become part of you. I'm digested inside of you. So unless you're refined, unless you, you study Torah properly, you're like... It's the crude analogy of taking the king and like torturing. Because the king, you'll become inseparable from the king. You have him in a headlock. You have him. The king is part of you. You can't help it. God becomes part of you. So the responsibility, and someone who studies Torah has a tremendous responsibility. Because once you study Torah, you know God is with me. He's in here. He's in my soul. It's it. It's there. It's forever. I can't separate. I'm intimate. We're one. We're inseparable. I've digested it. The finite mind has digested the infinite. The finite human being could become infinite. Could think like the infinite. Could think, start thinking like Hashem. A Jew who's totally immersed in Torah, the mind starts thinking like God's mind and becomes a holy mind, a holy person. He starts seeing everything from God's point of view. That's the true Torah scholar, the true tzaddik, the true, the holy Jew, the Talmudic rabbis, the rabbis who wrote the code of Jewish law, the great Kabbalists, the great Hasidic masters, the masters, the true masters of the Torah, who study Torah for its own sake, to connect with the divine, to become one with the divine, and who spend every waking moment to the best of their ability, totally immersed and stretching themselves and totally in, being fully engaged in studying Torah they have become one with the Torah and they have become one with God that's why it says who are the kings the rabbis 
because you have to stand up just like you have to stand up for a Torah you have to stand up for the rabbi because he, had, he has the Torah he is the Torah he's a living Torah a walking Torah embodiment of the Torah and that's why since God creates the world with, through the Torah so the rabbis who have mastered the Torah were really masters of the universe the Baal Shem Tov was able to look in the Zohar and able to physically see from one end of the world to the other with his eyes he was able to see what's going on one end of the world to the other and they were able to create miracles and perform miracles because they were able to change the Torah. As uh, one Hasidic master said, that when you create, where do miracles come from? He says, when a Jew creates a, a novel interpretation in the Torah and uncovers a new depth, a new way of looking at something in the Torah, that creates a miracle in this world, a, a new conduct, a, 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 something unexpected. A surprising way, an unexpected way of looking at things. Unexpected, something unexpected happens in this world. When you come up with a surprise, a novel, a deep, a genuine uh, interpretation of the Torah that no one has uncovered before, suddenly we have a, a revelation in this world. We have uncoveries, discoveries, revelations. Science suddenly discovers breakthroughs that we never knew about, that we uncover the depth and the secrets and the mysteries of this world. Every mystery that we uncover in the Torah, there's a parallel uncovering of a mystery in this world. They tell the story that once the, I think it was the, either the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, was having a discussion with a physicist, modern physicist. And he wanted to know where modern physics is holding, where, where they're at, what level are they at. Because he wanted to see if it parallels the breakthroughs in Hasidic teachings, the breakthroughs in Torah teachings. There were such tremendous breakthroughs in Torah teachings that he was expecting that the world should also be catching up. The world, we should have parallel breakthroughs and discoveries in medicine and in physics and all levels of the sciences because everything originates from the Torah. The Torah is the blueprint of reality. So the, the tzaddikim, the, the true Torah masters, the Hasidic masters were masters of the Torah. So any, anything, that they, anything that they uncovered, mysteries that they uncovered in the Torah had an immediate impact in this world. And they were able to affect miracles. By the power of the Torah, they were able to perform miracles and change nature because they become, became one with God. And the Torah is the blueprint of reality. The very substance of everything that exists is all the Torah. So when you become a master of the Torah, you become a master of the entire universe. And you're not bound by nature. You're not bound by the laws of nature. That's why the Rebbe was able to perform such astounding miracles. You know, people who, there was no hope and give a blessing that they had, they had total recoveries and miracle after miracle. Because when you become a master of the Torah, you become one with the Torah, you truly become a master of the universe. And you become one with Hashem and you have that ability, that divine ability to be able to give blessings and to be able to, to perform, perform miracles. So this chapter is a very central key chapter helping us to understand why a Jew gets so excited about studying Torah. Why studying Torah is such a central theme in, in a Jew's life. It's not just, you know, just another activity, another mitzvah, another religious activity. Studying Torah. A Jew studies Torah with zeal, with zest, with enthusiasm because you realize what you accomplish every time you study Torah. It's the divine ability, the gift that God gave us to become intimate with Him, to become one with Him, to become inseparable with Him, where your mind could become one with God's mind. 
And, um, you know, that's a gift that we cherish. And uh, therefore, we engage in Torah, not just superficially, but we engage in Torah, each and every, every Jew, to the best of their ability, pushing themselves, exerting themselves, trying to understand it.